Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome back for hour number three of FST. Thanks for joining us on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network on TuneIn on iHeartRadio or wherever else you might be listening to us. Send out that Emory Hunt email. Sean Engel is cutting it up. Uh, we'll tweet it out so you can listen to his draft analysis. Uh, we'll be doing some more draft coverage. I'll be involved in that draft coverage. We'll be doing a mock draft. We'll do some live coverage the night of. It's usually a, a festive occasion, I think, uh, the NFL's done a really good job with it recently, and they're having it in Nashville this year, so it's going to be one big party, and uh, we'll try to extend that party to our airwaves. So um, a bit of news. Uh, Joe just uh, chatted over to me during the break. Uh, Joe, what is that about Hunter Strickland? Yeah, he uh, blew a save uh, last night for the Mariners, and now he's uh, saying that uh, he's got some issues where uh, he's going to have an MRI done. Uh, and uh, so this is an interesting situation because, you know, he was the toast of the town when uh, the uh, games in uh, Japan had uh, uh, back-to-back saves. So, yeah. I mean, nobody expected him to, you know, uh, you know, have a, a, an amazing season. He, he's probably a guy that uh, would have been traded uh, close to the trade deadline, and then, and then he wouldn't be a closer anymore <laughs> on this yeah. new team. But yeah. th- this is concerning because now uh, they're saying that maybe there could be a uh, closer by committee situation brewing uh, in Seattle. Well, once they once they unloaded Edwin Diaz, I think a lot of arms went up in the air to potentially get saves in Seattle. So uh, I think you're right, but it is just something to be mindful of because you mentioned earlier in the show about George Kurtz and the closer report. He does a lot of work trying to map out what you need to do in fantasy baseball. As far as closers are concerned about half of the teams each year, Whoever the closer is in April, he ain't the closer by the All-Star break for the most part. That's about half the teams go through some sort Amazing. of change, yeah. whether due to injury mm-hmm. or trades, to your point, roles shifting around. Uh, it's why people try to jump on those top closers this year. Edwin Diaz or Aldis Chapman. Um, I have Chapman. I have Wade Davis. I feel pretty good Kenley about Jansen's those guys. from the Dodgers. That's yeah. right. Kenley Jansen, exactly right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's why people try to jump on those guys early so that they don't have to worry about losing out on a transaction at some point. Those transactions get, you know, there's a lot. There's bidding wars. There's all kinds of other stuff, and you can never guarantee it. So try to trying to lock in on some of those top closers is important. But you can also go the other route. I, I, I just loaded up on guys that I – 
at the towards the end of the draft for me, Joe, I loaded up on those guys like I mentioned earlier, Green and Vizcaino. I'll just try to eat before labor, before Memorial Day and then let the chips fall where they may, and I'll probably have different players on the roster at that point. Yeah, that's a great uh, strategy to have. And uh, in, in the uh, league that we're in together, you mentioned uh, the pit. Uh, it's, a, it's a league where not only are you getting uh, saves as a category, but they combine it with holds. So it was so important uh, to get uh, guys, uh, you know, that are uh, basically set up the closer. So, uh, you know, uh, Jacob Barnes is a guy from – and, uh, hey – He's from Milwaukee. Go figure. And he's on my head. Yeah, you love the Brewers. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's a guy that could end up, um, uh, you know, you know, getting a couple of safe situations as well. Uh, Taylor Rogers is a guy that uh, unexpectedly got a safe uh, for the Twins. And, and it just seems that more and more, there are more and more teams. It's almost like the, you know, we hate the running back by committee in football, but uh, it seems that more and more uh, – Managers, I guess they have so much information at their fingertips, and and in a way, why not? You know, uh, use uh, more than one person as a as a closer uh, as as game situations uh, warrant. It sucks yeah. for fantasy, though. <laughs> yes, it does. It does suck for fantasy because there is an unpredictable nature to it. I think. Mm-hmm. Look, us as baseball analysts, fantasy analysts, and fans saw these trends coming, but it was obviously put on the big stage a couple of years ago. Indians, Cubs, World Series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guys were being used for multiple innings. They were being moved all over the game. Andrew Miller would come in in the third if they weren't feeling good about the starter. And this has morphed into teams like the A's and clearly the Rays just using openers, right? Guys will go out mm-hmm. there, throw a couple of innings, will piece it together with the bullpen. Um my concern with some of these strategies over the long haul, and I think the Rays don't really care, is you're going to need a lot of arms to do that, right? Because you mm-hmm. can burn out some of these guys by throwing them out there so much. You'd almost need a stable of 20 major league pitchers in order to enact that strategy throughout the year but who the hell am i to argue with if they won 90 games last year i think people don't even realize that they won 90 games they were just overshadowed so badly and by the way they did it in a division with the two best teams in baseball who both won 100 games great point yeah so Uh, and you know, we had talked about, uh, we kind of alluded to, you know, a slowdown in free agent signings and whatnot. But every December, it just seems that uh, it's the uh, the relief pitchers that end up, uh, you know, getting signed to, to contracts and getting traded. You know, they, they seem to have the most activity. And yeah. uh, it could be a sign of uh, what's been going on in terms of, you know, a closer by committee. Yeah. So, um Gosh, I lost my question, so I'm just going to scramble. I, I had a spe- really specific question for you related to that. So, um, oh, yeah. So uh, given that teams are doing this and given that you said it does suck for fantasy, how has that made you sort of adjust an, uh, an approach to drafts or to how you are tracking your roster throughout the season the fact that these players are used differently within games how has it made you adjust have you focused less on 
uh, a strategy regarding pitchers, or have you specifically ramped up the known starters uh, with throughout Major League Baseball? Well, people that know me for a long time, and, and uh, George Kurtz probably wouldn't be happy, but uh, when I first started playing fantasy, uh, eventually I stopped even, you know, rostering closers. This is back in, in the 90s, you know, because, yeah. uh, you know, I played in five-by-five five leagues, and I felt that, uh, you know, a closer could – I know they help you in uh, ERA and, and WHIP and whatnot, but for, for the most part, they're not helping you as much in the win category, the uh, – strikeout category as let's say a you know starting pitcher would uh so uh you know but but i've kind of adjusted and i've uh, you know <laughs> now i do roster closes and by the way you know i i played in a league where eventually you know i, two, I had two or three copycats because i was fairly successful doing that you know because look if you're going to take that kind of strategy then you damn well better win the wins category and the strikeouts category or you know be top two or three right yeah but uh so yeah so yeah so lately i i have been obviously drafting uh, closers, uh, but uh, it might make me at least get one solid guy. Like I, I'll probably never get like a, a you know a Chapman or a Jansen. They just go too early for me. But a Doolittle from uh, from the the Nationals, a guy that uh, yeah. you know is in no uh, danger of, of losing his job. You know. The, that's uh, somebody I had uh, targeted uh, this season. Uh, Blake Trinan was a guy that I liked this this year. You know, guys that you know. I'm now thinking about it now. Uh, the the little slow start that the A's have gotten to. I hope he doesn't get traded and he ends up being a uh, uh, <laughs> you know setup guy. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, then at the end, you know, it, you'd be surprised. Even though it was uh, known to to most people, I was even getting Matt Barnes really really late. You know, and I got him very late. Uh, you know, yeah. And, you know, you also focus, uh, my focus also was on, let's say, uh, uh, closers from bad teams. You mentioned Shane Green, uh, you know, the guys that, uh, you know, they're there late in your drafts and uh, they could at least give you a cushion uh, on the yeah. saves category you know, early on. Look, uh, like I just said, half of these guys are going to lose their jobs for one reason or another, injury, trade, whatever. So <laughs> your roster isn't going to look the same. Two months from now, three months from now, it won't look the same. So just know that and take some chances on guys late, and it's fine. You can cut them. People, I, I think there's a fine line between patience and erratic uh, waiver wire behavior. I, I try to be patient, but I, I do that with the full knowledge of knowing you have to move on at some point and that this roster will look different. Anybody that thinks that they're such an ace in drafting in any fantasy sport that they're going to be able to keep their team intact is, you know, smoking the good stuff. So they just need to be mindful of the fact that these rosters change uh, across all sports and baseball in particular. There's just going to be a level of churn that you have to deal with. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I kind of alluded to it earlier, you know, the, the baseball, uh, fantasy baseball is a marathon, you know, fantasy football, I'm sure you've heard it say is, is like a sprint. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's a long season and the, the draft is, you know, just just the the. the the, the early part of it right now it uh, now if, if you're in a league with trades you, you need to you know it's too early the season but uh, you of need course. to 
you know. Uh, By the way, I'm getting you. I'm getting you on Moncada offers. I, I drafted him, and the draft room nearly exploded because apparently <laughs> three people had been eyeing him uh, when I took him, and I've already got offers for him. And I, I, I don't see any reason to trade somebody like that this early. Um, we're obviously agree, all yeah. thinking there could be a breakout season for him, and uh, being the top prospect in baseball at one point. So, uh, so that's the deal. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. We got some good guys going today, but I'll, I'll even take a look back at last night because I just want to get your thoughts on some of these players. So the Rays took out the Astros 4-2. to two. Uh, Charlie Morton uh, throws for Tampa against his old team. He picks up the win, a typical Charlie Morton win, five innings solid, two earned runs, eight strikeouts. That's who Charlie Morton is, and he match for what the Rays want to do. If he goes out there and throws five innings every time, which is sort of what Charlie Morton does – they'll be happy with it. So he gets the win and a good start for Charlie Morton. Yeah, he's a guy that uh, has kind of figured it out late in his career, right? And, uh, you know, you mentioned yeah. the, the the five innings he's pitched, but uh, he gives you strikeouts now. You know, he turns into a strikeout pitcher, you know, uh, past couple uh, past three years, uh, averaging just about uh, 10 strikeouts per nine, gave you eight strikeouts on five innings. Uh, you know, I mean, I think I own him on at least one of my teams, a solid starter. And, uh, you know, 167 innings last year. I know he's a, you know, what do you think about this whole, uh, once you're past 30, <laughs> where we just ignore, uh, you know, fantasy baseball players. But I, it's amazing so, how guys like him and Verlander, they they found out uh, they could, uh, how to get it done uh, late in their career again. And not that Verlander wasn't uh, a phenomenal pitcher early on. Yeah. But at one point, it looked like he was almost done. <laughs> That's true. That's true. He, we thought that he was going to be just like what happened to Linsicum, where Linsicum just, it, it was over. From one day to the next, Linsicum was just done, right? And it looked like mm-hmm. Verlander, something was there too. But sure enough, he goes to Houston. He's lights out. He's getting extensions, and he's good to go again. Same with Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton, and I'll even be somebody that would admit, like, I didn't know a lot about Charlie Morton before he got to Houston. I knew who he was, but I didn't know that much about him. He had shown really brief flashes when he was in Pittsburgh, but he had a losing record every year of his career for the first nine years of his career, except for one. And then he goes to Houston, he rips off 14 wins, 15 wins, 29 wins in two years. And you're like, wow, Charlie Morton. And he goes, there he is, free agency deal to the Rays. So, or was that a trade? I can't remember. I think it was a free agency deal. I think they signed him, but uh, I could be wrong. Maybe I that think was so, a trade. yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but he's 36 years old. And I don't think a lot of people would would realize that. Or 30, he's 35. He'll be 36 later this year. So, yeah, he's a guy, so he's resurrected. And he gets a win off his former team. Garrett Cole takes the loss. He gave up four runs, but only one earned, 10 strikeouts in six innings. So he takes the L, but all of the other stats, uh, he helped you out. So uh, we'll see what happens there. As far as stats right there, Diaz with the home run. Tommy Pham, one for three. He gets an RBI on the Houston side of things. Michael Brantley, two for four, two RBIs. Uh, so there you go. A little bit uh, there. As Love far Michael as Brantley. game, yep. you do? You're a big fan? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of, you know, like he was a guy that I used to avoid. Uh, I mean, look, there's no denying that his his skill set, you know, some power, some speed, able to hit uh, for average. But, uh, you know, there were a couple of years there where he was just uh, dealing with injuries year after year. So, uh, yeah. but uh, I, I like the, you know, 
being in the middle of this Astros lineup. So he was a guy that I targeted on a couple of my teams. I believe, uh, do I own him in the pit? Let's see. You may. You may. I don't have it in front of me right now. But, yeah, Brantley batting cleanup last night, hitting in front of Guriel and behind yes, Bregman. Yes, I do, by the way. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, you're right. When you when you've got uh, the guys in front of you like Springer, Altuve, and Bregman, uh, it yeah. provides a hell of an opportunity. Granted, Correa isn't there right now, but Brantley will still be somewhere there uh, in the middle of that lineup. So um, good stuff there. Uh, we'll preview some other games uh, this that are happening today. For instance, Noah Syndergaard going today at 105 against Steven Strasburg. So a really good pitching matchup to st- to kick off the day today. Yeah, and uh, there's also an interesting uh, matchup. The Padres uh, bringing up this guy from like, uh, single A uh, to start against the Giants, and it's going to be an interesting uh, start for him because the Giants have a, their issues with their lineup, but uh, that's uh, interested to see how he does. But, yeah, uh, Noah versus uh, th- basically Thor. Right? We'll call him Thor, I guess, Yeah, yeah. Uh, against Str- Strasburg. Uh, nice matchup. Yeah. Uh, the guy that you mentioned is Nick Margate. Mar- Nick Margavicious? Um, yes, very good. Is he thought to be a big-time prospect? No. Uh, right. he, but he you know, he reminds me, when I read up on him, because I, I hadn't heard about him at all, he sounds a little bit like Miles Mikolas, where he, extreme a control pitcher, uh, doesn't right. really throw hard. Uh, I suppose he has a really good curveball. Uh, and, and really not, you know, a lights-out prospect. But, uh, right. you know... Uh, Sounds like he's got some skills, though, and he's they're, got a they're nice just pe- They're just sort of piecing it together at the beginning of the year, right? Just tr- yeah. trying mm-hmm. to bring guys yeah. out. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of like a spot start, but uh, it's still right. an interesting one. Interesting time of year to have a spot start. So, uh, to your point, he <laughs> yeah. does have. That is he, weird. People might, people might be looking for him for a, a min, minimum salary a DFS play. So, Absolutely, we'll come back. We'll take, yeah. we'll take, we'll take a little bit more uh, look at today's games, last night's games in MLB. In the final part of the hour, we'll take a look at the lines for today's hoop games and this weekend's hoop games. It's Mike and Joe on FST. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Bohemian Rhapsody? I was just about to ask you that, my friend. I did see it. I saw it on an airplane, so it wasn't the best uh, maybe audio experience, but I I sometimes have problems with those biopics, but I did not in this mm-hmm. instance. I thought he did a pretty good job. I thought he did a good job. And I, I've seen people take shots at him for doing 
mimicry or whatever you want to call it, but that's what those biopics are. I, I, of course. I, I have problems yeah. I have problems with them because they sometimes tend to be like the same story. So whether I'm watching mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody or Walk the Line or Ray, it's like they're sort of like a similar trajectory. Uh, they had a difficult childhood they had or a difficult <laughs> life they became their uber talent made them a star they struggled mm-hmm. with drugs and they had a second chapter or third chapter of their life that was a happier that's literally this the exact same plot to all three of those movies it doesn't mean that mm-hmm. they aren't also enjoyable so uh, i did yeah. really i had fun with that movie i thought he did a nice job yeah, I mean, I went into it uh, thinking that I'd like it, and I did. I love uh, Rami Malek. I don't know if you've ever seen him on uh, the show uh, Smith a Robot. I, so which, I didn't uh, watch that I, show, but people swore to me that it was a great show, that he was awesome. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that the, the last season might be coming up, so you could probably still catch it or whatnot. But yeah. uh, his likeness, his mannerisms, uh, you know, and this has nothing to do with him, but even just the, the teeth, you know, making them look like, a, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, um, and I thought it was a you know, you know, a good story. I mean, uh, you always take liberties, right, when you're doing these biopics. So, of course, you know, did he really say this? But uh, uh, no, you, you, and I'm telling you, I dragged my wife. She really didn't want to see it, and then uh, after she did, she thanked me. There you go. Wow, look at you. <laughs> look at you getting thank yous out of your wife. I don't, I don't get those. I'm an idiot. Uh, it's probably my own yeah. fault. So, uh, well, we'll, we'll see stuff. if I could pick up uh, JLo tickets for it. Then uh, that's what that's. <laughs> I'm going to see Billy Joel next week. Oh, no, is it next awesome, week? No, awesome. Two, two weeks. I've never seen him before. So, um, Really? You're going yeah. to gonna love it. I, I just saw him um, a couple of uh, Memorial Days ago. I, I, he actually played on my birthday at the Garden, but I've seen him like three or four times. Still has uh, the pipes, you know, it, it hasn't lost the beat, and you're going to really enjoy it. Cool, cool. I, I look forward to it. Uh, my wife is uh, a native Long Islander. Uh, I currently live on Long Island, so I feel like it is uh, – I, I, it's a, a passage. Like I have to do it. <laughs> right. a, yeah. I, like yes. once I see him, I'm locked in. I'm a Long Islander. Yeah. Like now, nah, it'll be mm-hmm. official uh, when that happens. So uh, looking forward to that in a couple of weeks. So uh, back to baseball. We were chatting during the break. I, I really just wanted to get your thoughts. It is such a good pitching matchup today. Syndergaard versus Strasburg. <laughs> the talent level is always going to be assumed to be at the top of the list in Major League Baseball. Strasburg, maybe as he's aged, people think a little bit less of him. But if he ever puts together a healthy season, he's going to be one of the elite pitchers in baseball. Same for Thor. So what are your thoughts on these guys? And how did you approach them during drafts this year? Thor, I was, I was surprised early in draft season as I was doing mocks at, uh, you know, how late he was going. Uh, I think he was going maybe fourth, fifth round, depending on the size of your league. But uh, when you, you look at his past, uh, he's had some issues, obviously, with injuries. I mean, uh, there was even that, that season where he came in thinking uh, that he was the real Thor, like he kind of bulked up, which isn't too yeah. smart for, for a pitcher or whatnot. Nope. But there's no denying, uh, you know, his skill set. So he, uh, I, I think that, you know, if he just uh, you know, takes care of his body and whatnot. I mean, uh, you could end up being, uh, you know, one of the aces on this staff. Uh, I think he's 
going to be arbitration eligible in 2020. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there. There's been no whispers, at least I haven't heard any about uh, them extending him, but I, I guess they want to see him maybe put together a, a full healthy season. But, uh, you know, so, uh, I mean, I, I'm a Syndergaard guy, uh, you know, and if he would, you know, it just didn't happen. I mean, I'm only in five leagues, but if he was there for me at the fourth or fifth round, I think I would have taken a chance on him. Yeah. Um, did you want me to talk about Strasburg or? Yeah, I would just say that. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll kick it over you in a sec. I would just say that the hesitance for people in Syndergaard, I understand, but I, I think he proved last year thirteen and four, three point oh three ERA. Yeah. Uh, he started twenty five games. They did limit innings for him at one hundred fifty four innings, but he had one hundred fifty five strikeouts. I just mm-hmm. think that. He's on his way back. It was a major injury and a significant surgery. Yeah. It, I think this is the year where he can expect him to come back. I don't have him. I'm not in as many leagues, so uh, you know I didn't have my shot. I had already taken Chris Sale in our most recent league, so mm-hmm. I would not have had a problem at all with taking Syndergaard uh, a little bit later. It's just uh, in that 14-team league, sometimes it's hard to map out what you want to do. You just have to have a few alternatives ready when you're ready to draft. Right. Syndergaard got taken before I was ready. So, yeah, kick it over to Strasburg now. Now, Strasburg's a guy, I mean, I remember when he made his debut, it was like a, almost like a, a mini MLB holiday. I mean, I remember com- yeah. coming home from work, uh, MLB Network uh, had his, uh, his, his start uh, televised. And look, the guy, uh, here's another guy that uh, just, if he could just, you know, stay healthy. And I think he's done a little bit better, of a better job with that. But, you know, you draft him. And in the past, I totally avoided him. Uh, you know, I've kind of like softened a little bit. And just say that, and just feel that. Hey, look, you know, just realize that, especially with this ten-day IL, that uh, he's just going to spend a little time on there now. But uh, you know, he's made. Uh, let's see, I'm, I'm looking at his stats now. Uh, seven straight seasons of at least 23 starts, so he, he doesn't really kill you in that way uh, much anymore. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, maybe you know, gets your strikeouts and has the. You know, the Good, uh, put up uh, good peripheral numbers. So I'm not yeah. totally against uh, Steven Strasburg. So here, yeah. So here's the reality for him, right? He had the 34 start season where he threw 215 innings all the way back in 2014. It's amazing to think that Too this is his tenth <laughs> season, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Since then, it's 23 starts, 24 starts, 28 starts, 22 starts. The innings are pretty low, though. 127, yeah. 147, 175, 130. 175 is fine. 130, you know. You're not yeah. getting a lot of innings out of that guy, uh, and right. it wouldn't shock me if it's right in that sort of 150 wheelhouse uh, this season. So to your point, he's probably going to spend a little time there, or they're going to give him rest or stretch him out as best they can, right? right? They Phantom spent stint. A ton of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. They spent a ton of money on Patrick Corbin. This team is trying mm-hmm. to still win. Uh, to your point about the NL East that you made a couple of hours ago, the NL East it's funny because just a couple of years ago, I was like, man, this division is a joke. And now it's mm-hmm. highly competitive. People expect the Mets to be better. Uh, Phillies mm-hmm. obviously had the best offseason in baseball with all the free agency signings. The Nats didn't blow it all up. They lost Harper, but they didn't blow it all up. And they'll probably pay Anthony Rendon when they have an opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously the Braves uh, have a ton of young talent. Uh, that they are trying to uh, put together. Fulton Evich gets back. They'll have the whole band back together, and we'll see how it goes. So this is a highly competitive division, and these two uh, starters are really highlighting it this afternoon. 
Absolutely. And uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm a Yankees fan. Uh, and when I was a kid, you know, I had to hate the Mets. But, uh, you know, now it's like, you know, I really love what they've done with this team. Uh, and, yeah, this NL East, very, very competitive. But uh, I'm liking uh, – I love the fact that they, uh, you know, are starting Alonso uh, and not, uh, t- you know, keeping him down in minor leagues, uh, you know, to get uh, control over him and whatnot. You know, I came into the season uh, not wanting to like Robinson Cano anymore. Uh, but when I looked at, you know, what he did after he came back from his suspension, pretty much hasn't lost, uh, you know, a step. Still putting up uh, big numbers. Love Jeff McNeil, Michael Conforto, Brandon Nemo. Uh, this is a nice little team that they have. And if their starting pitching could stay healthy, you know, I didn't, I didn't even mention uh, Zach Wheeler, right? The Grom, yeah. the guard. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. They do have arms, man. Do you think Matt's is, uh, is a lost cause by now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. But they yeah. do have arms. It is funny because a couple of years ago, they made the World Series just a few years ago. And yeah. the thought process was like, man, if they can just keep these guys together, they're going to be something. And they couldn't keep them together. And all of them got hurt with the exception mm-hmm, of DeGrom. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Syndergaard, Harvey, Mats, Wheeler, all of them got hurt. So it makes you realize that you do need to have an abundance of arms. And when people, the, I remember a couple of off seasons ago, people were saying, oh, the Mets have like seven starters now. They should think about moving Seth Lugo or they think about should moving Robert Gazel, uh, Gazelman. No, mm. <laughs> hang on to them all. Like, I think Mm -hmm. teams should really do as much as they can to hang on to all those arms, especially in the creative way that we just referenced in how teams use players now. The the players themselves are going to want to be starters so they can get starter money. But the teams are – it is obviously going to be a tug of war. The teams are going to say – you know what? We're trying to win games here. You're going to be middle relief for now. Or we're going to use you as an opener and piece you together with the bullpen, Steven Matz, because we don't want you throwing 150 innings. We want you to throw 115 innings, and you'll be more effective. That's the way we're going to win. You'll stay healthy. You'll make money long term. That's the sale job they'll do to Matz. Obviously, he wants to be mm-hmm. DeGrom, but he's not. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and then uh, if we, I don't know if you want to move on to to the Nationals, man. When when yeah. you look at what the, what they have too, I mean, uh, you know, obviously Scherzer, uh, Strasburg, we mentioned uh, they they were able to sign Corbin, even Annabelle Sanchez. Uh, talking about uh, starting pitchers who have figured it out a bit a little bit later in their career, you got to look at what he did uh, last season, and uh, yeah, they they did uh, uh, let Harper walk, but uh, you got. Uh, uh, Uber prospect uh, like uh, Victor Robles. I mean, uh, Juan Soto, look what he did once he was called up. Trey Turner, yep. there were talks uh, about him. Uh, the Nationals wanted him to possibly steal 50, 60, 70 bases and he uh, ended up uh, having three already. And uh, Rendon, you mentioned uh, them locking him up. He's now starting to get uh, recognized for being one of the best third basemen in baseball. So, uh, And then, you know, I'll tell you, another guy, the, the, the Brian, Ryan Zimmerman, man. Uh, two years ago, he was a guy I picked up off the waiver wire, totally uh, true. and uh, was just exactly yeah, right. just waiting for him to yeah, just waiting for him to get hurt again. But you know, you held on to him. So th- this guy could, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend uh, you know expecting too much out of him. But still, guy had thirty yeah. uh, something home runs a couple of years ago. He did thirty six homers. Team. So and look, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a believer in Bryce Harper, but 
I'd be remiss if I didn't say that there are articles that I've read over the last couple of years that said that Rendon was the more important player for the Washington Nationals. Now, that those are opinion pieces, and people can think that's nuts. Sure. But it's indicative of how good a player Rendon is. He's obviously a little old, older than Harper. Uh, so whatever deal he gets would probably lock him up to Washington for the rest of his career. But it seems like that is being worked on, talked about. And Rendon is really the centerpiece of what, as you said, the rest of the lineup around him is building as a young, very talented lineup with Turner, Soto, Robles. Yeah, and uh, I mean, would I be sacrilegious? Would it be sacrilegious for me to say, "Hey, I, I think that maybe uh, Harper might have been uh, a little bit uh, overrated"? <laughs> I, you're not. I you you <laughs> certainly would not be alone. I, there's plenty yeah. of people that think that. I mm-hmm. I don't, don't think wrong. he is, but there are plenty mm-hmm. of people that think that about you. And that, I was just referencing that. There's a lot of people that think that Rendon's really the better baseball player. Harper's just a lot of flash, and he had a, an unbelievable season, but um, he hasn't been consistent. His you know his batting average has fluctuated. His on base percentage has always been pretty good, but yeah, uh, some people do think that Harper's overrated, and he's a little bit more flash than he is substance. Yeah, I mean, if you look at last year, uh, up until uh, July, he had a, a batting average under 220. I mean, he ended up, uh, you know, uh, coming on later, but uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit of a streaky guy. And then you look a couple of years ago, he had some issues with the uh, the batting average. Don't get me wrong, hard nosed player. Uh, you know, if the Yankees didn't have uh, John Carlos Stanton having that he uh, lefty a power bat, <laughs> could you imagine? He would have been a Yankee. If the Yankees hadn't made the Stanton move, Harper would have been a Yankee. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any question in my mind. Stanton effectively blocked Bryce Harper from being uh, a Yankee. And I don't blame Mm -hmm. them for making the Stanton move. They had to give up very little. I actually think Stanton, who was very good last year, will be even better this year. Um, But he did. His presence did prevent Harper from being here. And the Yankees outfield would have been Aaron Judge... Aaron Hicks, Bryce Harper for the next seven years or longer. It yeah. would have been, that's what it would have been, which is a pretty damn good outfield. I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, you're right. I don't think the Yankees are expensive. They really but, couldn't. Uh, yeah, but uh, they can afford it. And that's a funny thing about all of this. Uh, and I've talked about this with other hosts. I, I think, unfortunately, fans have bought the bill of goods that the owners are selling on. The relative value of players, you know, Bill James's tweet from this offseason, I think, encapsulates what is a widely thought belief in Major League Baseball front offices. And that Bill James's tweet, for those that don't know what I'm referencing, he stated, um, if all the baseball players went away, the sport would move on. We just get all the, the that was the gist of it. If all the players went away, baseball would be fine. We'll just move on, which is to say that players you're all just really commodities there's a few of you that are worth it the rest are replaceable 25 percent of you we could cut tomorrow 25 percent of you we probably have to pay maybe even less the rest of the 50 percent you're all sort of the same ability you're all the same war it's just exchanging pieces that was really the gist of what he said which i think is believed by a lot of people i just i don't think fans should should uh attach their beliefs to that that's a uh, yeah. That's an interesting uh, uh, tweet. Uh, 
I guess so. If you if you had to, he shouldn't say have done it. There was he an, exposed it. Right, he exposed of course. What is a secretive <laughs> secretive belief of a lot of yeah. Major League Baseball executives? And it's going to be used against the the owners, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. It's just the an additional tweet on that uh, on this topic, and yeah. I'll you know I'll tease it. We'll talk about it on the other side of the break. But it is uh, regarding what teams are telling you they can't afford or trying to avoid the tax and really what uh, the actual financial picture is. So we'll do that on the other side of the break, and we'll talk a little bit about the March Madness lines coming up today and tomorrow. I'll give you my thoughts on the college hoops games. So it's Joe and I coming back, closing it out on hour number three on FST. We'll be right back. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. This is a tough one to start off the last segment. <laughs> By the way, that last rate, that last uh, commercial did not age well. That was Gabe uh, Marenzi and Joe Rainieri talking about uh, jumping on North Carolina. But uh, down goes Goliath. So Carolina blown out by Auburn last night. Um, Auburn, unfortunately, lost their leading scorer in last night's game, Okiki, with uh, what appears to be a major knee injury. It was a non-contact, just freaky play. He had had 20 yeah, points on the night. He was, he was going to the hoop on a layup. Uh, nobody touched him, and his knee buckled. It looks like it's probably a significant injury. I think an MRI is scheduled to come today. But um, Bruce Pearl said he's hurt, and he said it in a significant way to mean that you won't see him back. So uh, they'll be done with him for the tournament. Doesn't mean they can't beat Kentucky. Doesn't mean that they can't continue to go on a run here. Um, you know, Bruce Pearl is a guy who has obviously been – under crosshairs before, Chuck Person, a former Auburn player and assistant coach, was involved in the FBI scandal, uh, paying fines and really uh, put the school in a bad light. But Bruce Hurl, Bruce Pearl was able to, able to survive it. He went to the same college I did, uh, so he's a guy that I want to root for. But at the same time, college basketball is really rife with – uh, scandal and sliminess, and it's always been that way. I think that's why a lot of college basketball fans just sort of dismiss it. We've known for a really long time that college hoops is slimy. There's runners, there's bagmen, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, it's despicable, but I couldn't, I can't possibly tell you how you would change it because even if you start paying the players. There's still going to be bad men, mm. Joe. There's just still going to be guys like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, you don't have any uh, players that, uh, you know, with this whole scandal, and I'm trying to, I guess, be be funny but not really. <laughs> you know, with this whole scandal with, with the, you know, the, uh, you know students uh, posing oh, yeah, as if yeah. they're on uh, athletic teams and whatnot. So Those people are insane. Shenanigans vet, yes. Exactly. Those people are insane because here, here's the reality <laughs> of the situation. 
People have been paying for their kids to get into college for decades upon decades, maybe centuries. Yeah. And it was all legal. Instead, they concocted a Ponzi scheme for something that they could have just done. Lori Loughlin. What's Aunt Becky, as Dan Strafford corrected me last week. I didn't watch Full House. It was I was a little too old for it, so I never watched it. Yeah. Aunt Becky. My kids did. She, yeah. She's the one under under fire. A million dollar bail. The FBI makes a show of this stuff. Everybody knows this. They make a show to take down celebrities so that the rest of the population realizes you can't do stuff like this. Wiretaps and all this kind of stuff. But are you telling me Aunt Becky couldn't get a meeting? At USC with the admissions director to be like, look, uh, I really would like my kids to go here. I'm happy to make a donation. Um, I've, exactly, I've led yeah. my assistants to USC film school and do teach a course or do whatever. And they would be they would do it. I have friends. Look, I, I've worked with a lot of college athletic directors and assistant athletic directors in the past. And they would tell you we get donations all the time for people who want their kids to go to school here who may be underqualified. However, we take the donation and say it's not a guarantee. Now, how often do they take a significant donation and say no? Not very freaking often, Joe. Not often. (laughs) So that's – you can do it above board. And this guy created this Ponzi scheme and with fake test proctors and all this kind of stuff. And it makes – it's just it made the kids look bad. It makes them look mm-hmm. bad. I think they're idiots because they could have done all of this legally, um, especially with them with the amount of money that some of them have. I'm you know I don't want to spend other people's money, but if you're a hedge fund manager and you want to you don't want to put down a million bucks to get your kid into a school, I, I don't know what to say. You shouldn't be doing it anyway. They should just earn their way in. But uh, I'm just trying to point out the fact that this all could have been done legally, and they decided to do it illegally for some odd reason. Right, and uh, you brought up some good points there. You know, you just uh, have Aunt Becky uh, in the uh, recruiting brochure uh, shaking hands with the uh, university president. That's what I'm saying. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Check out Aunt Becky or whoever else yeah. they want. The yeah, USC yeah, Film yeah. School is one of the most well-respected film schools in the world. So, um, mm-hmm. anyway, so enough about Aunt Becky for now. So, uh, rest of the day today, <laughs> you got Cam Stewart and George Kurtz coming up next. It's Weekend Fantasy Update from 2 to 5 Eastern. And then after that, it's In This League with Bogman and the Welsh. That is from now that's from 2 to 5. Cam and George are 11 to 2. So, uh, apologies Correct. for screwing yeah. up the time mm-hmm. there. So, uh, all right. So, we got... I got about 10 minutes left, so we got some stuff to talk about. But um, college hoops. So you got the injury that I just talked about to Okiki. That's for tomorrow's game. You also have the ongoing injury with Cam Reddish from Duke, who out of nowhere, Coach K was surprised by it, decided that he was too hurt to play. He's got a knee issue. I think you won't see Cam Reddish ever play for Duke again. I just think he's he's done. Um but I could be wrong because the the injury was a shock to everybody. So I'll have to read more about it today to see whether or not he plays tomorrow. But today at, I've uh, got two games, 6.09 PM and 8.49 PM Eastern. And it's Texas tech Gonzaga. And right now Gonzaga is a four point favorite, one thirty seven and a half over under Virginia, four and a half point favorite, one twenty six over under. I think people will be leaning towards the 
under in that game because Virginia slows down the style so much. But if I'm asking you, Joe, uh, Virginia Purdue, I know you're not the biggest college basketball fan of the world, but it doesn't mean that you can't have an opinion on these games. Uh, Virginia mm-hmm, Purdue mm-hmm. today, Virginia laying four and a half. I mean, they they didn't cover the other night when they played Oregon. Uh, they won, but they didn't cover. Uh, that was a t- really tight game. I could see this one being another tight one. I think the value is probably in getting the points here because asking Virginia to cover four-and-a-half point spreads is not always that effective. Purdue's been playing really well, too, probably even playing better than Virginia. So uh, I would think I would take the value there in Purdue today. Yeah, like you said, I don't really follow it as closely as you do, but uh, I guess Purdue could be considered somewhat of a of a, a Cinderella type of team, and you know maybe they could build upon uh, uh, that magical night from a couple of years, a uh, couple of years, a couple of nights ago on Thursday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I think I would take the under in this one, uh, not yeah. the under. I, I would uh, take Purdue to cover the four. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I look. I jumped on Purdue last year in the tournament. I thought they had a real shot to make a run. Unfortunately, two things happened. One, their starting center got hurt and was out for the rest of the tournament. And secondly, they were in Villanova's bracket, so they weren't going to get there. They weren't going to get to the um, to the Final Four. A, a Final Four that I attended, by the way, and Villanova slaughtered everybody in their way. They, they killed Kansas, and then they killed Michigan. So I... I was there to watch it all. Um, so uh, that, that's where I'm at. I'm taking the points, uh, rooting for Virginia, but taking the points for Purdue. Texas Tech, Gonzaga, that one's going to be the earlier game, actually. And Gonzaga laying four to Texas Tech. I'll, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I've liked Texas Tech. They've been my big differentiating pick in the brackets. If Texas Tech wins tonight, I'm in good shape. I'm in really good shape in my brackets. I, I thought that they had a chance to get through here. And I like their athleticism, and I think they have a shot. They killed Michigan a couple of nights ago. Uh, Michigan missed every shot that they took, but still, uh, it was an impressive performance by Texas Tech, and I think they have a real shot here today against Gonzaga. But like you said earlier, two earlier in the show, two different styles of teams. You got one that's a great offensive team and one that's really reliant on defense. Yeah, and supposedly, uh, you know, I was reading up a little bit on this game. Uh, Gonzaga, obviously, uh, number one offense in, in uh, college basketball, but supposedly they played that they actually played some defense in their last game. No. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they were able to limit Florida State, so they're an extremely well coached team. They have very talented players. People are always doubting them because these people tend to think they play in a soft. They're here's the problem they are a very hard team to evaluate certain years because they are so much better than the rest of the conference st mary's was good this year and actually beat them in the conference tournament championship game the west coast conference uh tournament championship game but gonzaga was regularly beating their their average margin of victory in the conference this year was around 25 points i believe per game wow wow. if you take a few (laughs) so they were regularly just blowing teams off the floor uh, so that is a hard team to evaluate. They earned their number one seed, and they've earned their way here. I didn't think they've played particularly well, but they played better defensively the other night. We'll see what happens against Texas Tech. Gonzaga certainly has more offensive options. 
Uh, but we'll see if Tech uh, can get it done. That really would help my brackets quite a bit. So, uh, so there well, you go. I'll, I'll root for them then. I'm, I'm looking okay. for your, well, thank you. your bracket. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, should I should probably hedge and take Gonzaga uh, with the four, but uh, I'm going to stick with what I got. I'll, so I'll take the points today. I've got both dogs. Dogs are five and three in the previous round. I'll take them today. Tomorrow, you've got Duke laying one and a half to Michigan State right now and Kentucky laying three to Auburn. Man, Auburn is playing so well. I just don't know how this injury is going to impact them. Uh, I would think, and I think that line could change too. Like once it's official that Okiki is out, I, I think that line could move up. But right now, I think I would take Michigan State. I know I, I think across the board. Now I'll take Kentucky. So that's the only favorite I'll take. The other ones I'm going to take Michigan State. I'll take Texas Tech. I'll take Purdue. I think Virginia wins outright. Purdue covers. I'll just say Texas Tech because it, it lines up with my brackets that they win outright. Uh, I think I'll take uh, – it's crazy to bet against Duke because of the talent that they have. But now that Reddish is out and that they keep uh, escaping these minim, these uh, layup off the rim game winners at the end of the game. I think they might run out of luck against Michigan State. He was playing really well and blew out LSU. So I like Michigan State there. And I'll, I'll take Kentucky, actually. I think they can put it together against Auburn. Auburn might struggle with that uh, injury. But the Auburn style of play is hard to to play against. It's these t This team, Kentucky happens to know them because they're in the same conference. So I'll take Kentucky as the only favorite there to cover. So that's my four picks. I don't know if you want to disagree with me on any of them. No, no. I mean, uh, like I said, you uh, know more about this sport than I do. But interesting that you take uh, Michigan State. Basically, what is it? Uh, a one and a half. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, I'm seeing. So you, yeah. you basically you're picking them to win. Uh, yeah, because I probably have Duke. I, it's it's a hedge for me because I have Duke doing well in so many of the brackets that uh, it's it's a hedge. But Duke isn't playing well right now. They don't run an offense. Right. They don't shoot well from the outside. <laughs> it took unbelievable performances from R.J. Barrett, who was brilliant last night, and Trey Jones to escape a two-point victory. Here's the one thing I'll say because people are saying, ah, Duke keeps getting so lucky. They got a really bad break last night. Virginia Tech ran a terrible play. With about their inbounds play with time dwindling, they took a terrible shot with about 10 seconds left. A contested 24-foot three-pointer that missed everything, but the ball ricocheted off the rim and the backboard, headed towards the out-of-bounds line. Harry Blackshear collects it for Virginia Tech and passes it back out. He was standing on the out-of-bounds line. It should have been Duke's ball with six seconds left. I don't know how the official wasn't looking at it, but he wasn't, even though he's right there. So they missed it. So it should have been Duke's ball with seven seconds left. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I'll just say, you know, so that's that's what happened. You know, they, they then got an, the inbounds play with one second left because it ricocheted. The, the next inbounds play ricocheted off of Zion Williamson and ended up being uh, – their opportunity for that missed layup. But nonetheless, Duke, Duke got a bad break. As lucky as they've been, they got a very bad break with about seven seconds left. So, all right, that's it on college hoops uh, for now. Uh, we've talked NFL draft. We're going to send out that Emory Hunt link uh, right as the show ends. We'll tweet it out to make sure that you Great can stuff. take a listen if you missed it. Uh, good stuff from Joe Galina there and Emory Hunt. And... Uh, so you were awesome today, Joe. I know we've got a couple of minutes left, but you were awesome. It was awesome to work with you. 
Yeah, uh, hopefully we could do it again. And, uh, you, you know, the, the mark of a good host is, uh, you know, keep the show moving. And, you, you know, you picked up on a lot of stuff and uh, asked me some really great questions. And uh, like I said, uh, it's been a long time coming, and uh, hopefully we could do it again. Yeah, we will do it again. So uh, give me your thoughts uh, on James Paxton. What do you think of him this year, of today? Give me your – I want the entire picture. Yankees spent a lot of money on this guy, so – or a lot of uh, – sorry, a lot of value on him. So mm-hmm. uh, what are your thoughts on James Paxton? As a Yankee, do you like the fit? Did you like the trade? Do you like his outlook this season? Well, the Yankees obviously needed help at the starting p- uh, pitching position. Uh, he had a f- – Fantastic year last year, but uh, 160 innings pitched, that's the most he's ever pitched uh, in his career. I mean, you can't argue with the skill set. So, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, any starting pitching that's on the Yankees gets the benefit of having uh, Judge and Stanton uh, providing them with, uh, uh, you know, some firepower, playing part of this offense. So uh, in terms of today, I mean, I think it's no no doubt that you, you want to put him in any uh, – you want to pay up for him in uh, DFS lineups. But, uh, yeah. you know, I love the guy. I am, I am a little concerned about his injury history uh, over his career. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's it's always going to be a concern, you know. Uh, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. I, again, it's the volume of arms. I think the Yankees just needed to mm-hmm. keep adding starting pitchers because, of course, yeah. Severino gets hurt and Paxton CC's, could uh, or Tanaka could. Yeah. CC's uh, having angioplasties and he's 38 years old. Mm-hmm. Like He's yeah. at, obviously at the end of the road. He's retiring. So you just need a volume of arms. It's not unlike what we talked about with some other teams. It's really the approach now more than anything else. You can't assume that you're going to stay healthy throughout the course of the season. I, I remember when the, when the Tampa Bay Rays went to the World Series that one year, they had this freaky situation where none of the starters got hurt. And all of them threw over 30 starts. That is such an anomaly that, that you have to expect <laughs> yeah. that guys will go down, right? Um, yeah. yeah, So absolutely. there you go. We got, you got Sonny Gray going today. I know a lot of people. Dan Strafford has Sonny Gray and like, all of his teams. He's expecting a bounce back there. You got Tyler Glasner, who I have today. You do? Yeah. Uh, look, you know, yeah. I mean, last year, uh, pitched much better on the road. Had a strong spring. Uh, his uh, old pitching coach in college is the pitching coach of the Reds. Uh, I know that, that uh, Cincinnati ballpark is a little bit of a bandbox, but I see better days for Sonny Gray. I don't see him as an ace, but he'll have some good starts this year. You got you Darvish, Colin McHugh throwing today. Uh, Pavetta, Wilson, Turnbull, Annabelle Sanchez, I believe you mentioned him earlier. So a lot of good Trevor Bauer going today, too. A lot of good pitchers going. They we're just getting the season started. It's good to work with Joe Galina. Thank you to Emery Hunt, and thank you to Sean Angle. We're out. Weekend Fantasy Update next.